Welcome to Faith Walking Conversations. In this episode, Marcos Leon and a group of faith walkers share a time of meditation and learning about practices that nurture your soul. This week, they reflect on the topic Letting God Shape You. Retreat. This conversation was originally recorded in November of 2020. We want to remind you that Faith Walking's mission is to make wholeness possible for individuals, communities, and the world. Visit us at www.faithwalking.us. Join this conversation. Gonna look twice at you Until I see the Christ in you I'm gonna look twice at Welcome to our conversations of meditations that God uses to nurture our souls. This is a group uh, that usually meets on Mondays and we explore things that are helpful to nurture our souls especially in times that are challenging, like the present times with pandemic uh, uh, and a lot of uh, triggers for anxiety. So we have been talking about uh, letting God shape us. We have been talking about how God, uh, in a way, is able to use anything and everything to shape us, to, to, to form our souls and our hearts. And we talk about that shaping in the context of faith walking uh, through uh, the, the curriculum, but thinking about, um, in a sense of a spiritual practices, how is that God shapes us? And um, we have been talking about the elements that are part of, of that shaping of God. These are things that influence that shaping, that God uh, uses to influence the form that he's given us. So we have been talking, or we talk, we start talking about the scripture, how God uses the scripture to shape our hearts. We talk about the reflection or meditation, uh, that being a practice that God uses in a way we say that the scripture takes residency in our hearts through meditation and reflection. And we talk about prayer. Last week we talked about prayer, how there are so many things to, to, to say and to, to learn about prayer, but we specifically talk about one prayer, the prayer of recollection from Teresa of Avila. And uh, we are aware that all these uh, elements, these influencers, are continually unfolding. They take place in different times, and I may be driving and praying or, or even reflecting. And uh, sometimes we cannot separate wh where is prayer and where reflection or, 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 or scripture even is, is working. But, um, but this is something that we know. And, and we know that uh, when we focus intentionally, in these elements, in a given moment and time, we have what we call a retreat. Retreat. We're going to talk about retreat today. And it's good to start saying, I'm not just only talking about retreat, like I'm going on a retreat next weekend, <laughs> next week. We, we see that. But there is a way to understand retreat uh, in our souls uh, in, in a way that is helpful. So this is an image that... Uh, I have been using, if you have a stool that has three legs and one of the legs is a scripture and the other one is a reflection and the other one is prayer, whenever you take that stool and sit on it, is retreat. Make sense? So retreat is, is a time and place when you sit in your stool 
and you let the scripture, reflection, meditation, and prayer influence you. Okay? So that is the, the sense. So let's, let's start uh, when we talk about re retreat. Um, Eugene Peterson, in, its, uh, in his uh, very uh, articulate way to put things, talks about the need of, of retreat in my mind. So he writes, it takes time to develop a life of, life of prayer. Set aside discipline, deliberate time. It isn't accomplished on the run. I know I can't be busy and pray at the same time. I can be active and pray, but I cannot be busy and pray. I cannot be inwardly rushed, distracted, or dispersed. In order to pray, I have to be paying more attention to God than to what people are saying to me to God than to my clamoring ego. Usually, for that to happen, there must be a deliberate withdrawal from the noise of the day, a disciplined detachment from the insatiable self. There you go. <laughs> and he's talking about prayer, right? We can... We can use this, this passage when we talk about retreat and focus, focusing my attention and my intention to God, right? It's not going to happen just because. There are moments of, of consolations when suddenly, boom, our attention and intention is drawn into that beautiful sunset, that beautiful afternoon. And that's a beautiful thing. And thanks God for those moments, moments of contemplation. But if I want to cultivate the heart that is able to, to receive this in, in, in normal basis, I have to create something else. I need more intentionality than that, right? As a deliberate withdrawal from the noise of the day, a disciplined detachment from the insatiable self. So there you go. It is not only about living what is external. In a way, it is also about living what is internal at least part of what is internal, right? I can go inside of me and be attached to myself. <laughs> I think he's inviting us uh, to pay attention in that narrow path that is this path of attention to God. So that's a good beginning. Let's put some context of a scripture. And I'm going to kind of tell you about two different retreats in my mind how I see, right? This is uh, the Gospel of Luke, you know, famous passage, chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. So there you go, talk about retreat. <laughs> Who wants to go to that retreat, right? I don't think it would do very well uh, in any kind of promotion. You know, come to a retreat to be tempted by the devil. <laughs> but if you consider the shaping of God, uh, and I'm sure you have studied this passage and, and listened or read uh, commentaries or listened to sermons about it, this was a very specific time of shaping in, in Jesus' heart. His ministry took place after this. And this is, think of, of a retreat, 
right? A place that introduces also this, this word for us, wilderness, the wilderness, right? You can make a, a case of, of the wilderness present in the account of the Bible, present in the story of the people of God, the exodus in the wilderness. So that's one kind, one picture of, of, of one kind of the retreats. Uh, in the same picture, uh, also the Gospel of Luke, chapter 3, verse 2. The word of God came to John, son, uh, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. Same, same idea, right? You have John the Baptist finding something of God in the wilderness. And the word of God coming to him in the wilderness. And this picture is, is extensive. Then you see people coming to the wilderness, right? People coming to, 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 to seek something that John is offering in a way. It's, it's God, right? And getting baptized in the wilderness. Uh, it's a, a, a picture that is also projected into the, the, the first century or, or well, it could be maybe the third century of, of the story of, of the after Christ of, of, of the church and those people who flee, fled uh, cities and they were trying to see God in the wilderness. So that, that's one picture of the retreat. Another picture in the same context, uh, the, the prophet Hosea, verses, uh, chapter 2, verse 14. The prophet, uh, God is talking through the prophet, through the prophet. Therefore, I am now going to allure her. He's talking about the Israel, people of God. I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. It's another picture of the same God inviting the bride, <laughs> the people of God, to the wilderness. This is pretty, it's very impactful. If you, I'm sure you have read Hosea, you know, uh, the picture is hard. Is, is the, the picture of the people of God as an unfaithful wife that goes with the lovers that are uh, other people, other, other nations and, and other gods and, and, and God bringing uh, the wife to this retreat in the wilderness. It doesn't look any, any good, you know, I would... I will make you forget the ways to your lovers. Uh, you, you will not find the way to, to come back to them. You will go to the retreat, and, uh, to the wilderness. And in the wilderness says, you will uh, not call me my Lord anymore, but you will call me my husband. So you see in this place of retreat, there is something that takes place. As it is not only the word of God, it's not only the shaping of the heart of God and preparation, but there is also this intimacy that Hosea is talking about. So those are, I would say, one kind of retreat. Here are a couple more passages talking about uh, another kind of retreat. This is Daniel, chapter 6, verse 10. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. So you see, this is another retreat. And you know the story, right? The story is not pretty. You know, Daniel knows that there is a crisis going on. 
And he retreats. And he doesn't retreat to the wilderness. He retreats to, to a place of, of prayer, of intimacy with God. Jesus talks about this in Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. He gives us the same picture of this retreat. He says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Talking about this second kind of retreat. So you, you get a, a bit of a, at least two pictures, right? I'm talking about that space that might be your devotional time, that space that is the prayer, the desperate moment of prayer in your closet, or that... Uh, a wilderness that uh, may be a season of your life uh, where God might be inviting you um, to, to be shaped by God. So you, you, you get the idea. So retreat, when we talk about retreat in this sense, a place in which our intention and our attention are focused on God, right? We have challenges to overcome in order to practice retreat. Not only retreat every morning or, you know, in, in my own home, but retreat every month or every year, right? So, and I, I talk about challenges first because I think it's important to see them. If we don't see them, we fall on them. And yes, we will learn, and the love of God is not at stake, but it's better if we are aware of the challenges. First challenge, cultural influences our ideas, cultural ideas. I don't need it. There's no time. Or this is the, the one that actually is more prevalent. I'll do it when, or I'll do it after. <laughs> it is like, I'll do it tomorrow, right? This is not super important right now. And we are in moments of quietness, we're aware of the invitation of God calling us into retreat, calling us into a wilderness to meet with him, but as soon as we get out of that place, we are like, ah, oh, later, later, later. Culturally, we, we function as if God will be secondary. God can wait. And I always say, God is like a gentleman, right? He doesn't impose himself. There's a, a phrase of, uh, I'm sorry, uh, um, yeah, a phrase of James Finley that says, the essential what is essential never imposes itself on you. What is unessential is always imposing in you. You know, the non-important is always demanding your attention. But there are other things that are essential and they are not demanding your attention. So cultural influences, we have to work, we have to do our things, right? Financial limitations. I'm thinking now about retreats when you consider uh, to go somewhere. To retreat, to stop, to cease. Uh, I, I need a day. I need a weekend. Financial limitations. Is this an expense or is this an investment? You know, to stop working. We, we, when we talk about Sabbath, we, we talk about this, this idea of ceasing and the invitation of God to cease. Sometimes, you know, the, the time of, of retreat, uh, seems like a waste of time or money, and it is not. Challenges, lack of knowing how to retreat, we really don't know. 
there's so many ways in which we can learn, but many of us, okay, wh- what do we do at retreat? Go to retreat and, and we uh, watch TV. <laughs> you know, we, we need some context of learning how to retreat. Another challenge is fear. I really don't want to retreat. I really don't want to be with myself. It's challenging. I'm afraid of what I can, what, what I'm gonna hear God telling me, or what's gonna be the content in that space. Personality prefer- preferences. Oh, I'm an extrovert. You know, I don't need a retreat. And yes, there's a space for personality, for sure. I believe that. I, mean, I believe the Enneagram is a great tool to learn things, uh, our personality. But, um, but still, there are ways to retreat that are. Uh, adequate if you want for our personality we all need retreat addiction to connectivity big one big one most of us don't want to let that phone go and there's no judgment or condemnation right but uh, uh, you know we 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 haven't done uh, this and thinking of the retreats of faith walking we always invite people to to be responsible to be adults if not to turn off your phone or whatever there are uh, retreats i think is ruth Haley barton she talks she works with pastors and and she talks about she you know ask the phones <laughs> give me your phone what in the world this is like you're taking something of me you know it feels like a, a so it's a big deal we're addicted to connectivity Finally, lack of engagement with the Holy Spirit. We retreat and we try to uh, to do what we want to do instead of learning to take a position in which we listen and we ask for help. We do retreats and they are they are good retreats. I'm gonna do this retreat to write, you know, people who are writing books or, or to prepare. So you've you already had a, an agenda for the retreat. And that's okay. The retreat I'm talking uh, about uh, today is that retreat when you need to listen to God. So the agenda has to be set aside. So those are some of the challenges to retreat. So how do how to practice retreat? How how do we do it? First, this is very simple. You know, a lot of uh, practical things. Set aside time. If you don't do it, it won't happen. <laughs> Daily, monthly, annually. You know, the, the, the idea of, of a time that is set aside. Uh, I'm always reminded of this. I forget who is the author that says, time is made. And he's not talking about we just can create time. Uh, time is, is limited, but we assign. We, we fill the time with, with the things that we choose. So. And we know that when we have to work, we, we make time to work, right? So we make time. Set aside a space. And this is important. I believe either in your day or in your devotion, you know, you might have a chair, you might have a place specifically where you feel that the thing, uh, that invitation of God. Uh, it might be a space where you want to go. It might be, um, you know, a retreat center. It might be a specific park. Uh, it might be um, a specific place that you set aside to go. You plan. This is going to be our meeting. Every 
city uh, has places that you can go. And here's when you think of nature. And even when you are in a retreat uh, setting, part of the process of setting aside the space is you, you, you just start engaging with the Holy Spirit and moving. You know, if you have a place to walk, you just start roaming and saying, well, where, where do you... Where are, you in, where are you inviting me to sit and to stop, Lord? You set aside the space. Set aside your agenda. This is not time to prepare sermons. This is not time to do your homework. <laughs> this is a time to actually let God fill the space. When you have that space and you have that time and you have that freedom of setting aside your agenda, Learn to slow down. Receive a gift from God. Slowing down takes place in very practical ways. Try to walk slowly if you're in a moment of retreat. Instead of rushing from one place to another, give yourself more time. If you're eating lunch, breakfast, eat slowly. Savor your food. Contemplate. Remain with something beautiful that you see for at least 15 seconds. <laughs> I always say that. There's a research in our brain about anything that is less than 15 seconds gives a little bit of information and that's it. But if we want to imprint something in our consciousness, we need at least 15 seconds. To slow down. Learn to walk slower. Create rhythms. You know, start in the morning. You know, the, the, all the monastic movement, all the all the uh, monks and and uh, monasteries and, and and the rhythms, the Benedict rule and all of that are, are helpful. You know, they start, they, they they divide the day in different times, and and, and they uh, they have this idea of the ora e labora, right? So uh, their their life is is different, but they work. Right? They are working and there is a moment when there is a, you know, the call of, of, for prayer and they leave whatever they are doing. They run and suddenly this, uh, this person who has been working, I don't know, with the cows, for example, gets into the, into the robe of, of, a, um, of a monk and becomes a, a worshiper. So you see the rhythms of that, the matans, the vespers. So create rhythms in your own day if you are going. Start with something specific, with praise, and move into the rhythms that are more the rhythms that you want to see in your life. And frame your day with scripture, reflection, meditation, and prayer, the, the elements that we are talking about. Plan it. And not exactly what passage I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do, but you can say this is the rhythm. I'm, I'm starting with the scripture and reflecting and eventually I am praying and responding. Rest. Rest. This is a big one. You know, we, that's kind of cultural too. We cannot rest. We cannot rest. We have to be with God but we cannot rest. And sometimes the best gift of God in the time of retreat for us is the gift of a nap. Refreshing nap. Spiritual nap. <laughs> Okay, what's helpful? Few few ideas, you know, into into uh, things that might be helpful. First, talk about rhythms. And when I talk about rhythms, uh, I'm talking probably more into uh, 
kind of a rule of life approach, right? You, you, you can see uh, rule of life is, is a very interesting um, practice, and we might talk about that in the future. But so you, you might think of not only your daily retreat, but you might think that every, every, every season, every, uh, you know, in spring and fall, or I'm going to go on a retreat. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find a place to, to go on a retreat, either alone or in community. So create rhythms from your life. Don't wait until, until God is pushing you to go, uh, but just try to create the rhythms of, of going. So like a pil- become a pilgrim, right? It's a pilgrimage. Okay, this is my, my winter retreat. You know, something of, a, of that is helpful. Participate in groups that help you develop and maintain rhythms. There are so many groups um, I am involved with the spiritual direction with the, a group of leadership transformations and it has been such a blessing for me to work with other spiritual directors. Every month we meet, we gather, we, we, we come back to these rhythms and at least once a year I try to spend time physically. If we can, I mean, this COVID has been hard, but go to a place of retreat and we go to a, a specific retreat center in, in New Mexico. So it's an investment, but this community has become a support in my spiritual life. Next, explore silent retreats in nature. Think of, of the value of nature. Uh, this specific group that I'm telling you, it's called Sila. Uh, meet in New Mexico. We actually meet at the desert. And the nature of it, it's amazing. It's amazing how that changes something in me personally. And because I am removed from my normal world and life, it becomes an open space to listen to God. Nature is a big deal there. Use liturgy, prayers, scripture, rhythms. There are so many good resources of liturgy. Use it. You know, we, we see that. I don't know. You might not see that way, that way, but say, no, I just need my time of journaling. And yes, you, you need that. Open yourself to, to the liturgy, so, so the tradition, to, to kind of the, the thinking of, of many people praying this, uh, this way or starting a retreat, retreating one way or another. There are so many good resources. And the liturgy becomes something uh, life giving. To your heart you can use them in, in the retreat and finally rest 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 allow your soul to rest i believe that in, especially in times of high anxiety and service the gift of god is rest psalm 127 say god gives rest to his beloved right in peace we can rest with him so think of rest as a gift from God. Okay, let me finish with Belden Lane. You know, he puts this in a very kind of in our face, <laughs> in your face way. And he says, our conditioning as members of a consumer society prevents us from abandoning hope that with sufficient planning, we might yet be able to see and do everything. I still believe that, really. <laughs> to move slowly 
and deliberately through the world, attending to one thing at a time, strikes us as radically subversive, even an American. We need to be multitasking. <laughs> we need to be productive. So he continues, we cringe from the idea of relinqu relinquishing in any moment all but one of the in infinite possibilities offered us by, by our culture. Plagued by a highly diffused attention, we give ourselves to everything lightly that is our poverty. In saying yes to everything, we attend to nothing. One only can love what one stops to observe. Nothing is more essential to prayer, says Evagrius, than attentiveness. Attentiveness. And I believe that only when we are intentional in learning how to retreat from the aromatic, diffused attention, just, just then we can learn to use this attention as a tool for God to work in us. So, let me stop here. Comments, questions, what are you present to as we talk about retreat? I think I'm struck by that last quote, especially plagued by a highly diffused attention. We give ourselves to everything lightly saying yes to everything, we attend to nothing. Hmm. That, that hit personally right now. Have to give that some thought. Hmm. Thanks for sharing, Judy. It is challenging for all of us. I think retreat during this time of COVID is changing my frame of reference. Um, over the last several years, I've had some amazing retreats where I've gone to a retreat center or whether it be for a weekend or a day. Um, and one of those, like the cynical is no longer there because of Harvey and um, it's just retreat for me retreat at home is a lot harder <laughs> than to actually physically go someplace um, I know God speaks to us wherever we are but there's just something about being in a different place to set my attention just directly on the Lord and be able to focus on that. Um, yeah, so it's it's kind of challenging. I know there's a lot of online retreats um, that are being offered now through different ministries, but it's still, um, it's still challenging to keep the rhythm, as you speak of, right, because there's now so many things being offered via Zoom that I could easily find myself just overscheduled just to do retreats or, you know, just to do prayer or something. And so it's still really important to keep 
lots of space around whatever I'm doing. Yeah, Trish, you're, you're so right. Yeah, we are learning, you know, and we learn with the sometimes going, hitting the, the extremes, right, until we find our, our way in, in the balance, but you're right. It is, um, it is challenging. We can overschedule, we can work more uh, because we don't have to drive anywhere. Exactly. And, uh, mm -hmm. Now, what comes to mind is I remember a pastor who uh, will carry a, a folding chair in his car. <laughs> and he will tell me, you know what, this folding chair is my retreat place. And he will drive, you know, and go to a park. You know, it's, whatever, you know, we, we all kind of find places. Sometimes he says, sometimes it was just an invitation. I would park take my folding chair and sit obviously he's not sp spending the night there uh, but um, that was one of his ways to, to deal with, with that retreat and, mm, challenging I do that most often if I can just get in my car alone I mean, I'll go drive, sit on the side of the road, look at a tree, look at a barn, look at something. Yeah. Just to, yeah. I mean, I have a beautiful back area to look at, but without fail, it doesn't matter what time of the day is, there's something I have to take care of. And it's usually somebody else's issue that I have to take care of because they drop the ball. And so it, it gets, actually, I said that this weekend after spending three hours Saturday, you know, being, you know, coming out of that meditation and feeling good and, and then there was an incident with one of my kids and, and it's like, are you serious? You know, my, my plan was to relax the rest of the day and just, just uh, bask in that, but no. <laughs> and I, I told my husband out of frustration, I said, my whole life is have to, the things that I want to do, the things that I desire to do, like go back to playing my piano or I did pick up my guitars this weekend for a little bit, but it's like, it's like, I don't have time for those things anymore. And, but those are the things that bring me joy and I want to have time to do those. And so I, I was like asking God, what is it that I have to do? And number one, of course, quit micromanaging. That's, that's a big issue. And, and if the ball falls, somebody drops it, it drops. And I just got to say, okay, whatever. At some point, you know, I, I can't, you know, just keep doing that. So I, I'm, I, that's where my challenge is at, at home. Even this morning, writing in my journal, I was like this, rushing <laughs> through my journal. And I'm like, what are you doing? You know, I was talking to myself, why am I rushing? <laughs> That's not the purpose. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thanks, Brenda. <clears throat> you know, it's, it's very real. Um, I know that if I don't wake up early, really early, it's just uh, a chain of events. <laughs> My day is like, poof, poof, poof. because of the nature of time, you know, I mean, I have little kids and they are not going to wait. At night, personally, it's very hard for me to to focus in, in the way that I want to focus. I see myself as a morning person. So if I go to bed too late, you know, it's all, <laughs> all connected. If I go to bed too late, I don't wake up early in the same way. But when I wake up early, and when I am able to walk 
the, the stillness of the house, I find myself in retreat. That's, I take, that, that's, that's me too. I'm fine, get up early. But I seem to not give, it doesn't matter how early I, I'm up. Animals think it's time to eat. If it's three, four, five o'clock in the morning. And this morning, I literally told two of my cats, I'm like, y'all need to go, <laughs> go find another home, you know, but it doesn't, they're always <laughs> going to come back. I've had them for, gosh, almost 15 years, you know, but yes, I crave that, just that quiet time in the morning. Yeah. But you have a lot of children and you've got children in the house. <laughs> yes, and they seem to be connected to me in a way that when I wake up, especially the youngest one is daddy. I mean, he knows, he feels that I'm up. Sometimes, and I've learned, and, and this is the other thing that comes to mind, Brenda, and actually I'm doing it with my little one. He's two years old. I mean, in a way, I'm trying to do it. Move this idea of retreat uh, to kind of something that is we're familiar through faith walking is the idea of boundaries, right? boundaries this is a psychological i can make it a spiritual aspect i have to set boundaries what is mine and what is not mine part of the sanity in this season of life is for julie my my, my wife and me to be able to say i need time i need this time and the other one has to be ready to say okay i'm gonna give you that time but that you know that happens for both of us so, boundaries uh i can be i can be in a different house <laughs> right but still attach uh to to the things they need to do and, and allow those boundaries not to exist there's a moment when i need to say this is this is not mine you know and, and it is not logistical only you see see that in jesus this is not me and, and that is part of, of the thing. Retreat is a need for me. And when I am bothered, and this is a season I feel that my soul is, is bearing witness. This is a symptom. <laughs> you need retreat. You need time alone. I, I agree. I agree. I've even thought about taking a small trip away by myself <laughs> just I mean but it's like where am I going to go with COVID <laughs> you know uh, but I, I'm seriously considering just taking a couple days just let everybody else take care of stuff <laughs> I mean but like with my podcast and my writings those see those are things bring me joy doing media brings me joy so it's like I I I, I, I need to set those boundaries of I guess all the other stuff you know, it's good. Good reminder. I think like, um, like Trish said, I found that, um, I, it takes a lot more intentionality to have rest and retreat when I'm home. Um, it was something that was really hard for me several years ago when I did faith walking like three or four years ago. Um, one of the spiritual disciplines that I chose to practice was the slowing because, um, I really was, I did not have margin in my life. I was jam-packed. My schedule was jam-packed. My, like everything in my life was, was too busy. And so, um, I started trying to put in more margin and being more, um, intentional about 
retreat and rest and um, it, it was really good. And now that I'm home, I find that it's, it's tough. Like since I'm working from home and then I'm trying to help my kids do school from home and different things, I end up, um, it's hard to like sit down and just say, okay, I'm going to work these hours. Like I would, if I was at work, cause I get distracted and pulled away and, or the kids or, you know, call or whatever it is. And then I end up working like all the time. Like it feels like all the time because it's not structured. And so then things that really don't take that long end up, you know, I'm doing them in little bits here and there over days or hours or things um, where it feels a lot busier than it is. And so, um, yeah, I need to, I need, I'm, I'm working on it, but it's still very much a work in progress, just trying to be intentional about planning my time. And um, when, when you were talking, Brenda, I thought about, there was a book that we read at a job I had, um, at a church several years ago called the tyranny of the urgent. And basically the idea is just that we don't do important things because things come up that are not important necessarily, but they're urgent. They need done right now. And then they pull us away from things that actually matter, but don't need done right this second. And then we end up spending, you know, a whole lot of time on things that aren't high priority. Um, and I find myself doing that with the lack of structure with being so interruptible, being at home and having the kids home all the time and stuff like that. You'll have to send me the name of that book. Text me that. I mean, uh, message me on Facebook. <laughs> I'll put it in the, uh, I'll put it in the chat box. It's a, good. it's a good, but it's a Christian book. Yeah. Yeah. Tyranny of the urgent. Ah, thank you, Laura. It's such a good reminder. Yeah. And spiritually, uh, what comes is, is that God is not imposing on us. It's, it's a relationship. It's an invitation. It's, it's a willingness. And, and that is why retreat becomes important. It's a rendezvous. <laughs> it comes out of love, not out of anything else. So I love the verse that you referenced earlier um, from Psalms that the God gives rest to to those he loves. Um, I preached a message about that like a year ago, maybe at my church. It was actually on Psalm 23, but there's a, a part in there about rest and God brought that to mind. And I've never noticed that verse in Psalm, but I think what a powerful, like it says, you know, in vain, we rise early and we stay up late and we toil anxiously, but God gives rest to those he loves, and I know I've certainly been guilty of rising early and staying up late and toiling anxiously, you know, which is kind of vain, really. It's thinking, like, I'm so important. If I don't get this done, you know, what's going to happen in, like, the scheme of the world and God's power and omnipotence? Like, yeah. like is anything I'm doing really that big of a deal that I can't just go to sleep? I used to, I had a, um, my old pastor, he would say, time he said, you know, rest is, like, the most spiritual it's like, like the best spiritual discipline because it's when we have to acknowledge that really like I have nothing to offer. Like if I'm asleep or if I'm just relaxing or if you're doing nothing, like you are bringing nothing to the table and God's still in control and he's still on his throne and he's still taking care of everything and the world's still turning and like, you know, everything's going on. Even if you are doing absolutely nothing. <laughs> no, I, I really like that. That's helpful to me. Because I used to tend towards busyness, like really significantly. Yeah. 
Lord, when you said that, it reminded me of the scripture, uh, they that wait upon the Lord shall mount up with wings as eagles, mm -hmm. run and not be weary, walk and not faint. Yeah. Yes. So that's one of my favorite verses. I have it hanging on my desk. <laughs> great, great thoughts, friends. Really good. Um, yeah. God sometimes wants to give us rest. And sometimes that is, uh, there's no more logic than that. Rest and sleep. And sometimes a retreat just to rest and sleep in God's presence might be the most spiritual thing that you can do for yourself, for your soul. Okay, I think it's, it's time. I love uh, to read once again our, our little blessing. And let you let you go. Being reminded that God wants to give us retreat. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. For more information about Faith Walking, visit www.faithwalking.us. We want to remind you that Faith Walking exists because of your financial support. Please consider giving at faithwalking.us/donate. Thank you for listening. Until I see the Christ in you, till I'm looking through the eyes of love. I'm looking through the eyes